0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the eye of the oncoming storm, it's Doctor Who, Podshock! We're back. A year after being devastated by Superstorm Sandy, Doctor Who Pachak is back. It's been a rough road. Everything had to be gutted out and reconstructed, everything, and including the floor to ceiling. But we can't let a life-destroying superstorm keep us down, can we? Now we're back and we need to make up for some lost time. It's a good thing things have been so quiet in the world of Doctor Who, right? (laughs) Not much has changed over the course of time since the storm has hit, I mean, it would be so much worse if if big news broke, such as, you know, like Matt Smith announcing he was going to be leaving the role or even worse, still having like a new actor being announced to play the part of the doctor after he left. Or what if they decided to like make, I don't know, like John Hurt as a doctor? <laughs> Talk about a burster. Worse yet, what if they decided to show like the 50th anniversary special in movie theaters for like only one or two days? Well, that would be cool unless they decided to make it gimmickry and, you know, do it like in 3D or something. No, wait, you know, you know what would really have been bad to miss? What if, now this is really far fetched. Now, what if, just suspend your imagination, just, just suspend your disbelief rather here. Uh, <laughs> what if they recovered long lost episodes of Doctor Who? Like, I don't know, somewhere in Africa. That would have been like the ultimate in Doctor Who news, right? Well, thankfully, things have been pretty much the same since our last full-length le- episode, right? <laughs> well, all kidding aside, there's a lot, to, a lot of ground that we need to make up for. And, you know, we'll get to all that in future episodes of Doctor Who Podshocks. So um, there's a lot of uh, material to cover there. So um, something to look forward to. But first, I want to give out some special thanks to all those that helped and and stay t- had stayed in touch through um, the recovery process Uh, Some had sent unsolicited donations, some sent care packages, Um, all of that is appreciated. Even those that couldn't do anything in person or help financially, just staying in touch via the internet and keeping me in the loop really made a difference uh thanks to uh all those that uh stayed dr who podchuck supporting subscribers even through this long hiatus um those that did cancel it well you know what that's understandable and your support uh was appreciated while it was there as well so i mean it doesn't it, it all that um is all good so um you know and as i said it, it's 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 understandable it's been a long time for those that um may have been following my recovery on my Tumblr log you may have known that I had to rent a pod to store, a storage pod to store whatever that wasn't destroyed by this disaster. So I rented the largest pod available from a company called Pods. That's P-O-D-S, Pods. Yes, all I needed to add was an H-O-C-K to the signage on the sides of it, and it would read Pod Podshock. Oh, I was tempted. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm sure they would have charged me something if I, if I did that. <laughs> I can't damage the pod I'm renting now, can I? So uh, while I had this pod, I couldn't let it go without recording a little bit of this episode of Dr. Podchuck from within a pod. So um, I don't know, Podchuck within a pod. (laughs) Uh, Maybe I should have opened up the episode live from within a pod, but the whole episode is not being recorded in the pod. So um, this is just a a, a short little um, segment that was recorded in the pod. Now it it, it was short because... um, um, and I couldn't really record uh, a full-length episode in the pod because the pod was full. You know, I uh, I spent months filling the pod up uh, with everything, like as I said, that wasn't destroyed, that wasn't waterlogged, that wasn't full of mold, that wasn't destroyed in the flooding. And, um, you know, so that took some time. You know, we're, we're talking about everything <laughs> because everything had to be gutted out and rebuilt. So... Um, but And then by that time, the pod was full. There was no room to really, you know, record in there. So um, I had to wait until I was able to empty the pod. So after everything was rebuilt and I was able to empty the pod, and then um, I had a short little window there before the pod was picked up because I couldn't really keep the pod longer because I was, I was paying rent on it and it's, you know, it wasn't cheap. It adds up. So um, anyway, <laughs> it was probably a... a, a um, a much longer explanation than needed but here it is um this is, was recorded in august i believe so um i don't even remember what i said in it but let's uh let's listen open the pod bay doors Hal. sandy aftermath day 299 yes this is louis Trapani and this segment of doctor who pod is actually being recorded in a pod yes it's a pod pod shock It's a storage pod. It's one of those... uh, I don't know if uh, you're familiar with those pods that uh, are used for storage... Well, (laughs) for storage and for moving. So um, in my case, it was for storage. After um, Superstorm Sandy came to town and um, (laughs) basically um, had its way with the town, including my my home and studio and um, basically my life. So um, it's... um, nine, was it, nine months? Well, almost um, going on to ten months now that um, we've been recovering from Superstorm, or sometimes I call it Stupid Storm Sandy. So, um, and the reason why I'm in this pod right now and recording is because I finally emptied it yesterday. So it took uh, eight months since it was last empty, since I got the pod, because it took a couple months before, um, after Sandy, before I got the pod. And um, because before then I was clearing out all the waterlogged and damaged and destroyed stuff and bring that out to the trash before I can even get to the stuff that survived and and take care of that I had to take care of all the destroyed and waterlogged stuff and even months later I was still finding trapped sewage water that I had to get out of, of my home so um so anyway so once the pod was packed I couldn't I couldn't record in here because there was no space I packed the, I packed the pod I packed the pod to um, to capacity so um, there was a lot in here. I used, it was like a, it was like t- t- um, Tetris, you know, the, the video game where you kind of take the boxes and m- maneuver them in whatever shape, you know, they fall and make sure they fit exactly right. That's what I did here with this pod to make sure it was all fit. So there's been no, um, with, with an exception of like one makeshift episode, there's been no episodes of Dr. Hupachuk, though there is one that was recorded right before the storm which will go out, which is probably going to be this episode that you're listening to right now. So, uh, yeah, it's been a long road. And um, this is recorded on, uh, like I said, day 299. So when this actually goes out, it's actually uh, going to be sometime after that because um, the workstation desks hasn't been set up yet. Uh, even though it was one of the first things I ordered as far as new furniture goes, it's just um, I have to... Put together stuff and uh, in the order that makes sense as far as reassembling everything and and also bringing all the boxes back in and stuff that might block passageways in or or become um, you know in the way needs to be put together last or so even that's sort of a jigsaw puzzle. So yeah, I, I you know many thanks to all those supporters that hung in there and um, people that have been inquiring about the show and. Um, it's, I know it's been a long time, a lot to catch up on, and, um, and we're going to do that in the future episodes of Dr. Who Podshock. So, um, yeah, I wanted to do some recording in this pod. I thought it was only appropriate that there'll be a Podshock episode recorded in a pod. So there's a bit of an echo here that you can hear. I, I'm, I'm assuming you can hear, um, because the pod is empty now and, uh, it's still August. And it's still warm, so I had to um keep it in the door open otherwise it would just be unbearable in here because there's no um obviously no air conditioning in here so uh so yeah, I guess that's that's really it right now. The rest of as far as uh, Doctor Who content will be elsewhere in the show uh let's go back to um well, I don't know when you're going to be hearing this, but may, I'm, I'm guessing 10 months or so. Let's go back to uh, before Sandy, before all this, you know, upheaval, <laughs> destruction, and um, I mean, uh, well, let's go back to what we recorded back in October of 2012, um, literally days before the storm and um, so the, some of that, some of this stuff is obviously going to be dated. So uh, just pretend you're in a TARDIS and you travel back in time to October 2012, back when um, the storm. I don't know if it was. Um, it was. I'm sure it was on the radar at that time. Maybe, perhaps, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not sure when it was exactly recorded. Now it's been so long. Uh, if anything, it was um, might have been coined the Frankenstorm because it was coming. You know it was hitting the coast here along um around Halloween time, so it was coined Frankenstorm at the time, but after the devastation that's that term sort of like um went along the wayside and um it was a much more serious storm than we had anticipated, um especially since the year before we had was it hurricane irene um, I think it was that was the name which um was um you know we were warned against that and it turned out to be a less of a storm than than all the dire warnings that were set off before the storm so it was sort of a it gave us some false um security that this storm would might do the same this that that all the hype you know because the news media does this and the te- now the local officials do this too to cover their butts and make them look good and all that they they um you know they they issued you know <laughs> The evacuation or drop a hat you know they you know because they want to be the ones that, after a major storm comes around saying that they didn 't do anything about it, so um they seem to overdo more than um than necessary or i don 't know well you know it turned out to be that this storm was um quite devastating, especially if you uh live by the coast as um I live a few miles away from the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, and the storm hit pretty um, hard in my area. Uh, the streets were flooded, and homes were flooded, and businesses were. Flooded. There's still businesses now that still have yet to open. Um, there's a there's a 7-Eleven a couple blocks from here that um, I I don't think is ever going to reopen again. There's and, and there's other businesses as well. There's the um, there's a, a public library a public library that just opened. Uh, for the first time since the storm, just this past week. So, um, so so is um so is us. You know, as far as our shows go, Art Trap Productions is getting back up to speed with Doctor Hugh Pachock and Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, and Sonic's um, the Sonic News Driver. So, all these shows and more will be returning. Uh, or Maybe when you're listening to this, have returned. So, um, sit back and enjoy the rest of the show and that 's it from from inside the pod, Dr. Who Pachak inside a pod and thanks to um well i'm not going to you know i 'm not going to thank them since I had to pay rent monthly rent and insurance for uh, um, the usage of this pod, but uh, I do want to thank all those that did make contributions, donations um, and, and gave support during this crisis and during this trying times. And what I'll do is um, I'll, I'll give a more formal thanks later. Right now, I'm sitting, standing in a pod, just um, <laughs> rambling off things off the, off the top of my head without any really preparation here. But there, I mean, those you know really did make a difference. And I'll, um, I know I did some video, I did a video series while this was um, initially happening for the first few months, and I, I tried to thank everyone in those videos that I did. And you could see those videos on, um, on on a Tumblr site of mine, which is um, trappedonearth.tumblr.com. And then um, I think slash Sandy, I think, will bring you to, um, to those that are pertaining to Sandy. But there's other stuff there, too. All right. Well, let's get back to uh, Doctor Who stuff. And um, let's go back to October 2012 to uh, when this episode of Talk to you was recorded So that was me speaking uh, off the cuff there in the empty pod there in the storage pod there, um, back in I think late August. so um, thanks for indulging me there I had to, <laughs> had to record something in that pod. So, uh, but as I said there, um, well, you know, this is the first full length episode of Doctor Who Podshock since Sandy hit, since the uh, the Superstorm hit. So um, I recorded an Aftershock episode that was done entirely on my iPhone, which went out um, sometime after the storm hit to explain what had happened. And, you know, to those, you know, went out on our feeds to explain what had happened. Um, So, but as I said in the pod there, there was another episode that had been recorded just days before the storm hit. So what follows next is the unreleased episode. See, even Dr. Who Parchock is finding lost episodes. What follows next is the unreleased episode of Dr. Who Parchock that was recorded last October, just days before the devastation, that never went out. So with that in mind, there may be references that may seem uh, somewhat dated now in it. So, you know, please forgive that, Um, you know, in... The long history of Dr. Hupachuk, this is the longest that an episode has been, quote, in the can before it was finally distributed. So um, once again, apologies for it being dated now. And once more, thanks to all those that have made this recovering uh, from this disaster a bit more bearable by staying connected. And uh, um, let's get on to what we recorded If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the 24th of October, 2012. So engage your TARDIS now. Let's go back in time to Doctor Who Pachak right before this mess all happened. Live, not blinking, inside of a cemetery outside of New York, it's Doctor Who Pachak. The California Embassy presents Doctor Who, Paw Chalk, episode 282. This is Lewis Trapani, and joining me on this fine show is none other than Dave A.C. Cooper from across the pond. Hello, Dave. Hi, Lewis, and if we stand back-to-back, we'll be safe. (laughs) Stand back-to-back and don't blink. As we (laughs) record this, we're less... I think we're less than a week away from Halloween here. Uh, Well, I guess Everywhere. Uh, for those that ce- that that you know celebrate or engage in Halloween ac- festivities or activities, um, it's um, less than a week away. So, we'll try to make this episode a spooky one. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, we we did a series of live shows reviewing the new episodes of 2012 of Doctor Who, and there were five new episodes, and then we did a um, a series a mid series review. So we'll be back doing those again. Well, for Christmas, there's the uh, the unnamed, as of yet unnamed Christmas story. That's uh, the Christmas special. Um, so we'll be doing that uh, another live review then. And then when the series comes back, we'll do um, some more live shows. We may do some more in between. Um, it's 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 nice doing the live shows because it's great to have you know immediate live feedback. And, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of more on a regular schedule that way as well.
1: But yeah, and I'll just say to anybody who who goes to places like Dr. who who dot net, uh, just be careful if you don't want to be spoiled in terms of you know the, some of the cast and guest stars that will be on the Christmas special. So you've got to be very careful if you don't want to be spoiled.
0: Yeah, we already. Uh, I guess it was back in the summer we announced one of the the guests that's going to be on it. We, I mean, we just it was just um, the actor that is well known to. Well, I won't say to all Doctor Who fans, but for um for many Doctor Who fans he, he played the first incarnation of the ninth doctor, not Christopher Eccleston. Um he's he's um scheduled to uh to be on it and I'm speaking of who am I speaking of again? It's um <laughs> it's 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 um with nail and I um he starred in that. Um and I'm drawing a blank. I'm not
1: sure that I should say any names. I get accused of saying things like that.
0: Of dropping names, we already we already announced it in the news section of a previous episode. Richard E. Grant, thank you, Richard E. Grant. Yes, it's it's an incredible thing. I come on the show and I start recording, and my ma- my mind just completely goes blank when I'm, when I'm not recording. I, these things are very uh, nimble in my mind, but once I'm, <laughs> then my yeah, mind turns into that- a sif Once I start uh, yeah. recording, once I hit the record button, I'm sort of like Ralph hammana. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, listeners, I I said that under duress.
0: <laughs> well, I, I got my it, my back against a gravestone, and we didn't say angels all around me. We didn't say what role he's. I don't even know what role he's playing, so I can't say it. With at least, unless I make something up, but um, yeah, that I mean that, that was sort of I thought public knowledge, or it was uh, you know news back in August or July, whenever it was announced. Or whenever it hit the news. I don't know. Well, speaking of news, we have other news to talk about. And, um, well, to that end, um, I guess the, 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 some of this news is breaking as of today. Doctor Who Prisoners of Time, which is a new comic book put out by IDW Publishing, which is a new series to tie into Doctor Who's 50th anniversary. And it's um, it's due in January. It's called Doctor Who Prisoners of Time. And it will focus on uh, each of the eleven doctors over the course of a year. I saw the cover for one of them, the, the first one, which has the fourth uh, has the first doctor <laughs> along with Barbara, and I believe that's Ian in the background. With it looks like the Zarbi are back. I don't know, but there looks like giant ants behind them. So uh, perhaps maybe
1: it could be yeah, Planet of the Giants even but uh, mm. it's certainly uh, one of those it's uh, written by Scott and David Tipton artwork by Simon Fraser colouring by uh, Francesco Fran Calavina, I think that is apologies to those people for the pronunciations
0: uh, they'll be sending us feedback my name is pronounced this way <laughs> <laughs> It looks yeah, interesting. Color, Sorry. No, I'm just saying it looks interesting. I think next year is going to be a very interesting year, being the 50th anniversary year. We've had, um, you know, the, the the crossover between Star Trek and Doctor Who recently in, in the comic books. So this is going to be a new story, um, which I guess will be um, a a series of stories, each one featuring a different Doctor.
1: No, tells an epic adventure featuring all 11 incarnations oh, okay. of the instructor. Yeah.
0: All right. So I thought maybe they were going from one Doctor to another, but it's going to be one big story arc with all the Doctors included.
1: Well, that, that's not unusual, isn't it? Where, I mean, I think when the first, was it the first Target novelizations came out? Was it the, the first, uh, was it the Virgin ones, where, where the first story was a series of four stories? The ones with the time worm in it or whatever mm. it was and uh, Noma's son collected all those and uh, so, you know, multi-threaded stories with uh, different doctors and it. it has been done before and it sounds great because uh, there's also going to be a an as-yet-undisclosed uh, 12th uh, comic as well uh, but it's going to actually celebrate the whole of the year.
0: Featuring the 12th Doctor. <laughs> ah. Oh, <laughs> Well... <laughs> Anything's possible. Does that doesn't? I'm not saying that, um, that that Matt Smith is leaving or anything like that. I'm just um, saying that you know they they could always introduce um, a future doctor, and whether it be the actual future doctor or not, time will tell. Indeed. So that's exciting. Um, as I said, I think it's going to be a very interesting year this this upcoming year with um, you know being the anniversary year. What you know, not just with what's going to come on TV, but other stuff like, like you know, comic books and uh, there's the, um, the the line of audio productions, you know, both by Big Finish and BBC. And um, so it's going to be an interesting year, I think, to say the least. Yep. So and, and we'll be here or we'll be covering it and <laughs> be a part of it in somehow or some fashion. So let's see what's going on in other news.
1: Fans of Arthur Darville who are missing him from uh, Doctor Who. Uh, Of course, Rory Williams in Doctor Who, I don't think people need that reminding, has made, at least for me, what seems to have been his first on-screen appearance on TV uh, after uh, they've exited, uh, and I don't think that is a spoiler, after the ponds have exited uh, Doctor Who. He's been on a uh, a costume drama on the BBC called The Paradise. Uh, And um, that he appear, I don't know whether he's going to appear in other episodes, but he was in episode five that's just aired uh, on Tuesday of this week as we recorded, uh, playing a, a, a rather unsavoury character of a barber called uh, Bradley Burroughs. Um, and uh, it was, that, that's why I, I think if you've seen some of the actual uh, documentaries with Arthur Darvill having a little bit of a beard... Uh, it may well have been this part he was growing it for it because he, he does have facial hair mm-hmm. in this character. And just as another little note for people who want to seek out this costume drama, um, it also has in the cast uh, Sarah Lancashire playing a character called Miss Audrey, uh, who people may remember as playing Miss Foster in the Partners in Crime story with the Tenth Doctor from 2008. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I saw a photograph of of um, Arthur Darvill as this character, and it, so it was, it was um, interesting seeing him, because uh, I haven't seen him in anything other than Doctor Who, so it was interesting seeing him in, a, in another part. He's <laughs> not
1: likable at all. I mean, it, it's strange, isn't it, where all these characters that do a, a well-loved part they seem to try and do something to distance themselves as much as possible. And uh, I suppose it is great. I actually... I was watching it and I won't give any plot points away. But I thought, I don't like him. I don't like him. And then suddenly <laughs> thought, Well actually that's acting. I'm not yeah. supposed mm-hmm. to like him.
0: <laughs> so well, it was I, I know surreal. Yeah, I, I I would I mean I don't know how much force thought is put into this or, you know, how many job offers an actor gets, but I guess they they like to do something that contrasts that their, their most previous work i would imagine if you you know if you played one type of part you don't want to go back in and playing something similar again not even the fear of typecasting but just you know just to kind of um stretch your muscles your acting muscles a bit you want to do something a little bit different than what you were just doing right <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah it's interesting i mean if you look at like like Um, actors like Harrison Ford, sometimes they'll wind up doing similar characters in in different movies and whatever, and, you know, they have to be assured that there's some differences in the characters, and I think that was, like, an important thing um, for Harrison Ford going into, like, Indiana Jones after coming, you know, away from doing Han Solo, you know, there there had to have been some distinction there.
1: Yeah, uh, and for the high-class listener that we get on this uh, podcast, do we uh, have any? Prob- <laughs> yes, we do indeed. They're mostly your subscribers, but yes, well, the, the discerning listener. Um, the Paradise, if you recognise that name, it's actually uh, an Emile Zola original novel that's been adapted, made into a slightly more soapified version. It's, uh, I mean, I don't really watch Downton Abbey; I'd uh, enjoy it, but this the Paradise, I have really. Enjoyed. Uh, I think there are eight episodes and five have aired already and look sumptuous in high definition.
0: Mm. Well, um, I guess um, Mark Gaddis is going to look. Well, it's, now, he's. this is um, a documentary that he has written, or is he. Because Mark Gaddis is both a writer and an actor, so sometimes it gets confusing whether. Um, now, BBC is doing a show on. Um, it's called Horror You. Europa, if I'm pronouncing yeah, that right,
1: uh, he, he did. He did last year around uh, Halloween time a three part. Uh, Thing about the history of horror, you know, like the the middle one was all about um, the Hammer House of Horror years, uh, and but he did three generations of Hollywood and so on. So the, and he did he he narrated it, appears on screen, and I think he's written you know the words because yeah. okay. he's so been he's, a he's did everything from a young <laughs> yeah yeah basically yeah, and um, this is uh, horror Europa. Uh, talking about the European uh, horror cinema mm-hmm. and its follow-up to that 2010 series, but I think this is a one-off 90-minute journey rather than any th- three-part one. And he's also, uh, although I can't, I haven't got the reference to it, but he's also appearing on stage as somebody I can't remember who it is now, but he's uh, th- this man. Uh, Stephen Moffat might be the only person in TV who works harder than Mark Gates, but he certainly seems to have his fingers in lots of pies.
0: Yeah, he's uh, speaking of acting. He's he um, plays Mar- now. He plays the brother of Sherlock in, um, in in the series Sherlock as well. Yeah, and he's obviously he he does a lot of work. He's appeared and and has written for Doctor Who and. Um,
1: uh, he did a marvellous uh, play, uh, First Men in the Moon with um now who was it? Uh Oh Yeah, you, know, you see we're we going off script. I was dangerous going off script.
0: <laughs> that's what we <laughs> that's what we
1: thrive uh, on. <laughs> uh, Roy Knears. Uh, Roy Kneer, the actor, his son. Mm. Uh, Rory Kinnear, I think it is. Marvellous if you can see that. First men in the moon. And it's sort of aj on a J-Pon-8... H- well, it is an H.G. Wells story, but it's done in a sort of historical way. It is absolutely marvellous in that.
0: Fantastic. You know, we, we've suffered many... I mean, the past year and a half uh, or so, we, we've gone through many passings of Doctor Who, and, and one of the recent ones was Mary Tam, unfortunately, um you know cuz and, and it always seems to be completely unexpected you know people and uh Tem we we lost and now there's um there's the second part of her is it's, it's an autobiography of hers
1: or? yes um it, it's rather sad because um uh, I I actually saw it at the Fab Café uh, uh, quite a while ago and she was writing the first one there and some people asked her about things and she said, oh, she's got a few revelations, but she was saving those for the second book. And then obviously with her sad uh, passing, there was uh, some concern whether... Well, <laughs> there was a lot of sadness over that event, yeah. but there, there was uncertainty about whether she'd managed to complete the... the the second part of uh, her autobiography. But Phantom Publishing have announced uh, the second part, um, Second Generation, and continues on from the first volume, volume, uh, with a late actress imparting personal recollections of playing Romana during her final three Doctor Who stories. Uh, Those are from season 16. Hmm
0: well it 's definitely something that a doctor fan is going to want to pick up and um and relish and get, you know and, and you know see what they can glean out of that yep. well this isn 't um so much news because we 've heard this before but uh in um, in today's um, in today 's news cycle there's a story that John sim is um once again. I guess this is originally coming from from the Radio Times, is that he would like to um, to do another go at the Master in Doctor Who, in the Russell T Davies era he played the Master, um, you know after several years of not having the Master back he then returned as the Master and um, and I know I probably can speak for Dave and, and myself that although I mean I love John Sim I just think that the the part of the master that with him portraying it was just a little, I mean, every, I guess, generation or regeneration of the master, just like the doctor is different, but I just, this one just seemed a little bit more off kilt, you know, more. <laughs> <laughs> out, <laughs> there,
1: out there, completely out there. Yeah.
0: Then, then I would like, I I mean, my favorite is still, you know, the Roger Delgado, Arch-type, you know, plotting and, you know, just...
1: Sword fighting.
0: Yeah, and a a thinking, you know, someone that... He may be crazy, but he wasn't outwardly appearing as such, you know. Um, So... So, but now he wants to take the master into a darker place, he says. So, uh, you know, and he says that um, I'd like to have another take on him to be a bit quieter. So I guess what he's saying is that maybe uh, maybe less over the top than, um, you know, than than being a giggling lunatic. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he, he's quoted saying... Um, I started annoying myself after, this is a quote, this is him quote unquote, I started annoying myself after a while. The showrunner, Russell T. Davies, had a specific idea of what he wanted him to be like, you know, the master. So I I had to do exactly what he wanted me to do, and he wanted a giggling lunatic, end quote. So, So we can... <laughs> we can blame the master on Russell T Davies, uh, as far as um, that master goes. I mean, I would love to see John, maybe Johnson, um, return and and maybe do a different take on the master. I just, if the master does return, I, I definitely want to see a different take on it. Yes.
1: Well, there is a possibility because um, now, as we—and I don't think it's too spoilish to think that those drums were implanted in his head. Presumably, if that storyline has come to an end, uh, he could return without the never-ending drums, as it were, which could uh, allow him to have a, you know, a more balanced and, uh, you know, concentrate on just being purely evil rather than somebody being, you know, driven to distraction. Yeah, um, and I think I, did, I seem to remember reading that, you know, you know, the, the director saying, we want more, we want more. So the the, the, the dafter he got, the better it was like. But mm-hmm. it didn't sit well with me. Although, having said that, there was one particular scene. That was the one in, uh, in the number 10. And he's got the uh, mask over his face and he's drumming on the table that was played in one of the little teaser clips. Now, that, to me, was very, very um, chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, from that, I was thinking that was what we'd get. And I did like some of the, the conversations, uh, you know, on the phone between the doctor and the master, those understated yeah. conversations mm-hmm. they had. But that's down to the sheer genius of the two actors. Uh, but um, I remember seeing a couple of uh, programmes where uh, the two guys were not in the programme, but seen as themselves uh, relaxing. I think they were on one um, charity music show on TV and they're sort of sitting down at a table together. And you know, <laughs> they must have been absolutely best of friends. Uh, and obviously, they've got similar career paths, uh, stratospheric ones. Um, but yeah, can't believe reading this, it says he's 42.
0: Yeah, it's a little youngling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's what I was going to say, yeah. But yeah. Be careful what I say. <laughs>
0: we're we're a bunch of old farts here now re- reviewing Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> for for your you youngsters out there listening, yeah, we're we're <laughs> We've seen it all. Well, some of us seen more than others, but we've we've seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> Well this you know I speaking about seeing it all, what I would like to have seen was and i've said this before was like another episode with um the, you know unfortunately, we had Derek Jacoby as the master, and then he you know he well he was he before he all realized yeah before he re, he was the professor or whatever before he realized who he was. We didn't really get to see much of him as the, ma- you know, as the master once he realized who he was. So it would be nice to have um, one other story in between there before John Sim took over the part of, of you know, Derek Jacobi as, you know, just purely as the master. But, um, you know, unless we go back, we time travel, which is possible in Doctor Who, uh, I guess we won't see that. Hmm.
1: Uh, but I, I I would like to see him in the part, especially if it's a bit of a revisionist view of the master.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nothing to say that you know that he can't come back, and as you said, um, have you know be altered a bit in his, as far as his take on it and um, and and where he goes from from there. Because um, the way things sort of ended for him, and the master always comes back, even though we think he's dead, he manages to come back.
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing I will just say is I, I, I don't know how the the I don't know the interlocking of. I mean, I think him and David Tennant together were just so pitch perfectly matched uh, in those quiet moments. Uh, although I do admire Matt Smith as an actor, um, I, I still see. John Sim and David Tennant having more of an on-screen chemistry, uh, maybe that could be proved wrong.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, we haven't seen how him and and John uh, Matt Smith, um, you know, what kind of chemistry they will have. But but yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. They, there's definitely a chemistry there, but we just haven't yet. See, you know, as much as I like Matt Smith, it'd be nice to have him take on the master and, and do it, I don't know, I, I just, I know I, I sound like a broken record, but I, I think we need to see less of the magic s- sonic screwdriver and more of him thinking things out. And I'm talking about the doctor now and, and really, you know, um, defeating the enemy with his mind and and without, you know, trickery from his little Sonic device, you know, and I think we need more of that and, and, I mean, no other uh, adversary uh, other than, you know, the Master would be, I mean, would be a great example to do that with, so um, it'd be nice to do, yeah. Indeed. You know, just recently, last, a couple weeks ago, um, there was New York Comic Con in the city, and uh, the, once again it was packed full of people uh, lots of cosplayers there a great time to be had for for you know anyone that wants to dress up and go there um, peter davison was there i didn't have a, i didn't didn't bump into him there but he was um, he was there and um, there was um like i said there was just it's a lot of people the, the, each year that like, the event's getting bigger and bigger so um you can mark your calendars for next October For New York Comic Con Obviously it's too early to um, say who's going to be there But um, I, You know You can go to New York Comic Con and have a great time Without even going to the panels The, the trouble with the panels is that you, There's long lines to get It's Again, If if you don't mind standing on lines And waiting in the queue for all that That's fine But, uh, but there's just so much going on there You can still have a great time Without even um, getting into the panels Though so there are great panels there I don't mean to I'm just saying that if you want to avoid the lines, you still can have a great time. I think that's going to round out the news for now, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> no more surprises. No more surprises. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with more. Talk to you, Podchuck. Hey, are you enjoying the new lost—well, I say new, but they're actually old episodes of Doctor Who, the newly discovered episodes of Patrick Troughton's Doctor, The Second Doctor, The Enemy of the World, and The Web of Fear, Uh, two uh, uh, long-lost—well, you know, was considered long-lost episodes, uh, nine episodes in all that were recently unearthed. And, um, remastered and put into these, um, you know, uh, packages. Now, um, we're going to talk more about these two stories in a future Doctor Who podcast. but, um, if you, if you enjoy them as much as I did and, um, you know, and I'm sure you did, and I'm sure you probably uh, watched them all now, and you're really eager for more. <laughs> we all are. We've been for many years eager for more Doctor Who lost stories to be discovered. But in the meantime, until the actual episodes are found, the, the you can enjoy some of these lost stories on in an audible format. In a, in a well, I say audible because it's available on audible, but it's on in an audio format rather. And as I said, you know, um, that's going to be our pick for our Audible selection for this week. As you know, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. That includes, you know, not just science fiction, but yes, science fiction, fantasy, uh, comedy, business, romance, thrillers, um, basically Audible covers them all. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime, anywhere, uh, just like this podcast. So, for you listeners of Dr. Hugh Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. To uh, download your free audiobook, simply go to trial com slash Again, that's AudibleTrial.com slash for your free audiobook. And for this time, for this week's recommendation, we're uh, suggesting Doctor Who, The Wheel in Space, which is another Patrick Troughton uh, lost story. Lost television story that um you know that, that is preserved here in audio form it's by David Whittaker and linking narration for this um what they did what basically what this is is the audio soundtrack of the actual television episode, so you get pretty much the lost episode except for the actual video so um, but you know because of that there's certain things that aren't explained. <laughs> In the you know in the original soundtrack, so Linky narration is done by Wendy Padbury, who played um, the Doctor's companion Zoe. Let's hear a little bit of that now. This is Doctor Who: The Wheel in Space, second Doctor story, lost episode.
2: The TARDIS is floating gently on the surface of the sea. Inside, Jamie McCrimmon stares forlornly at the scanner screen. His friend Victoria is standing tearfully on the beach nearby, waving waiting for the time machine to depart.
3: We can't just leave her. We're not leaving her, Jamie. It was her decision to stay. I oh, should be perfectly all right with the Harrises Now, don't worry so much. No, I'm not, I'm just... Oh, come on, let's go. Well, where would you like to go,
2: hmm? I couldn't kill this. The doctor's hand hovers over the ship's takeoff lever.
3: I was fond of her, too, you know, Jamie.
2: The lever is pulled, and the TARDIS's blue police box exterior rises slowly from the waves and dematerializes. Victoria's image fades from the screen. At the end of a particularly harrowing adventure, she has decided that her travels with the Doctor and Jamie are finally at an end. Sometime later... The doctor's at the controls while Jamie dozes in a chair.
3: Jamie, we're landing. Jamie, mm? we're landing. Oh, let's have a look at the scanner, shall we?
2: <clears throat> he flicks a switch, but the screen remains blank. Well, you said we landed.
3: Well, yes, we are, but I, I seem to have lost the pictures. Try a little bit more power, shall we? You sure you're pushing the right one? Yes, of course I am. Look at the fold indicator, will you? It's round there on the left. No, it's all right here. No movement at all. No. Well, the, it's funny. The air's all right. The temperature's perfectly normal. <coughs> seems to be rather a lot of metal all around us. What? Oh, you know I can't hear you when you talk to
2: yourself. yeah. It's coming up now. <coughs> the image of a beautiful lake, sunlight glinting on its surface. Hey, now, <laughs> that looks all
3: right. Boy! <laughs> oh, hey, look at
2: it. Boy, what's that? <coughs> They're suddenly looking at an exotic animal.
3: Well, that's funny. It's changed tonight now. It's a wee bit quick, isn't it? Look, it's
2: changed again.
3: What's going on? Oh, dear. Those pictures aren't what's happening outside. I'm certain of that. Why do they keep appearing, then? They're temptations. The TARDIS is trying to warn us to get away from here to somewhere more pleasant. I must have pushed the wrong switch. The red light stopped flashing. What? Something must be wrong. What? Well, the power's overloading.
2: The power lines are overloading! Ah! There's a flash! Ah! A ah! <laughs> doctor, under here. An acrid vapor is escaping from the... So that's
0: Doctor Who, The Wheel in Space, a significant story. Uh, not only because, as you heard in that clip, that the Doctor and Jamie bid farewell to one companion, but... Um, Maybe the the Lincoln narration, you know, by Wendy Parberry might give you a hint that it's also um, where he's introduced. Uh, Whether well, both of them are introduced to their uh, new tortoise companion, which is uh, Zoe Harriet, played by Wendy Perbury. So, and also this is another that the Doctor encounters uh, the Cybermen once again. So it's a classic Cybermen story. So that's again, that's wheel and space. That could be your selection. It doesn't have to be, but it could be your selection for your free selection at Audible. Once again, to download your free audio book today, simply go to audibletrial.com slash Again, that's audibletrial.com slash for your free audiobook. and enjoy these lost episodes. All right, we're back with Dr. Upatrick, and uh, once again, Dave is with me, and we're going to uh, feature. Uh, actually, we have uh, a couple books, maybe even a few books uh, to mention in this podcast. Uh, one of which, Dave, right? That's with um, Michael, who A.K.A. the Tin Dog, has a uh, a book coming out, which we're yep, hoping to
1: give him do. his full title: Michael M. Gilroy Sinclair. Uh, that's a title the name to conjure isn't it? Yes, whose astrology? Uh, the time, a time travellers on the Mac, uh, which is his book, illustrated by Deborah Taylor, and hopefully um, you'll have a, a little review interview with him on the book that's coming out on Halloween, and we'll be going into all good bookshops between Halloween and Christmas.
0: Okay, so that's. Uh something to put on your your holiday list is doctor i don't have i'm 32 i don't have a christmas list <laughs> i do oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah obviously i messed up that quote i wasn't prepared for that but you get the gist he wants a seven inch ipad <laughs> yes uh, uh, uh yes i'm holding back on the jokes there <laughs> Yes.
1: Um, just good job here. Ian's not here.
0: <laughs> it's a good thing Ian's not here. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um well one of these days I'll get a new I'm still rocking the original iPod, so um until I can afford a new one, this one's gonna have to do. But yeah, the fourth generation iPod was just announced and it's um you know, it's it's always getting bigger. Well, I can't say bigger. There's the new iPod mini, which is getting smaller and um so so That's yeah. It's got
1: a new processor in it.
0: Faster processing, so it's getting faster. Well, depending on which size you get, faster, or smaller, or or just faster in the same size, and uh, but a, a higher density resolution screen. If you get the Retina one, the fourth generation one, the the full size one. Anyway, but yep. we'll, we'll save that for another show. Um, getting but well, maybe kind of ties in because um you know w- with ebooks uh you'd be able to you might be able to read some of these books in ebooks soon um, I don't know whether or not uh, Michael's book will be an ebook and I don't know whether or not this book that I'm about to talk about is going to is an ebook or not, but um, if not now, probably one time in, in some sometime in the future it will be, but I happen to have the actual um, paper version, the, the actual printed analog version of this book. The book I'm talking about is called Love and Monsters, The Doctor Who Experience, 1979 to the Present. And it's by Miles Bowie or Bowie. It's B-O-O-Y. Or, so I'm, I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing his, his surname correctly. This book is very interesting. Uh, I have to say that I took a, a liking or an interest to it because of the title here, Doctor Who, well, not the love and monsters part, if you know my my feelings about that episode, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to, but, but the Doctor Who experience, 1979 to the present, because that sort of parallels my experience, because I've discovered Doctor Who in the late 70s. It might've been 78, it could've been 79, but it was in that, Error that same time frame, so I've and I've been a fan since, and I've um, you know uh, this author here sort of explores Doctor Who, the program as well as fandom and how the two have um, changed and intermixed over the years. It's a, it's an interesting and insightful book in that account, and it it kind of. Um, you know, speaking of which, it, it touches upon how certain fans had um, now are now actually working on the show, you know, either in the writing capacity or, or otherwise, you um, you know, people like Paul Carnell and um, the, the current executive producer and Russell T. Davies. You know, they, they were, these were all fans, you know, that are now, you know, or have been spearheading the show itself, you know, um, you know, Gareth Roberts and. You know you pretty much um pull any name out of the hat who 's involved with Doctor Who now probably uh, grew up watching it and was a fan of it and to you know some to in in to some level or not for those like myself that had um had this experience with Doctor Who this is a great book it 's sort of it refreshes your memory on on that experience, and also may give you some insight on some stuff that you didn't know about that took place during that time period, uh, or as well as maybe some you know diehard fans and hardcore fans that really want to know the history of the program. And it doesn't get into the you know the the the, um, the 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 nuts and bolts of you know how they did this episode or that episode, but more or less w- the direction the the program was heading and, and um and who steered it in that direction and how fandom reacted to it and and how fandom had changed and, and it does and and I'm saying fandom and all that but it it doesn't obsess it's not focused solely on that. It's 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 really a parallel between um, fandom and the show itself. So it's it's really about the show itself, but how that affected fandom. So it's interesting in that account. And I I have to be honest, I didn't read it from cover to cover. I had, because of time constraints, I I picked out certain bits and pieces of it and read it. And it it is very interesting. I say this as a, (laughs) I'm going to put my bias out there. As an artist and a photographer, I'm going to say that the book could use some illustrations or some photos. Uh, It's a lot of text. Which is fine, but it'd be nice to kind of break it up and just to give some sort of visual insight of you know what was going on at the time to kind of represent what is being told in the words It would be just nice to kind of break it up with with some either illustrations or photographs and um, you know and I, and I realize certain things you know you get into you know it 's a copyright concern and all that but um, but uh, it, it doesn 't have to be you know photo you know as far as a fan perspective. So that's my only really criticism of it, but it's otherwise, it's a good book, it makes a great gift, and it's available now. It's, let's see, the publisher is I.B. Taurus, T-A-U-R-I-S. So uh, something that you might want to check into, yeah, or check out rather. It's called, and he does talk about Love and Monsters, the episode itself, and how, how that episode itself sort of um, reflected fandom, you know, and and actually that part of the story of Love and Monsters, I kind of enjoyed the whole, you know, that whole group that was Linda, was it Linda, I think it was called? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, That was following the doctor and all that, and the parallels between how, you know, that and how, and fandom of Doctor Who, and, you know, there was some obvious, um, statements that was making that was being made in that episode and um and and as far as that goes i i enjoyed that part of that story of love and monsters so so anyway check it out it's love and monsters uh the doctor who experience 1979 to present and it should be available i'm just looking for a price on the book itself but check it out i'm sure it's probably available on amazon or other fine bookstores all right. Well, we're not done. The library is still open. No. <laughs> yes, we have. Speaking of books, uh, a couple months ago or a few months ago now, we had uh, the the editors of the the latest book of the mythological dimensions. I say that because the first one was the mythological dimensions of Doctor Who, and now there's a new book called The Mythological Dimensions of Neil Gaiman. And I have to say that, speaking of, before I go any further, I think one thing that wasn't in the news segment that maybe should have been is that I think recently there was something confirming that Neil Gaiman is writing another or has written another um, Doctor Who episode. So that that's sort of, I think, we'll be seeing it in 2013. Maybe it's the second half of this current series that we're in the middle of. But
1: the, yeah, well, I'm saying nothing because I know some people who, uh, who think even knowing who's
0: written the stories is classed as a spoiler. So well, I'm, I'm keeping it uh, just dumb. All right. Well, well, well all right. I'm not going to go into that. But anyway, so this book, we've already spoke about it in the past. Um, it's written. It's edited. I'm sorry. It's edited by Steve um, Anthony S. Burge, Jessica Burke and Christine Larson. And it's and this is where we're gonna get into trouble. It's um it's by um it's, it's Kitsune. Kitsune you books.
1: You pr- you pronounce Kitsun- the E. I've been told by Mike Thorpe you pronounce
0: okay. the E. So Definitely you're going to want to check it out. And as promised, we had a couple of books to give away to Pontchart Supporting Subscribers. We were already giving one away. And we have another copy to give away. And we didn't, we're going to do that right now because we we held off during the live shows because the live shows were reviewing the new episodes and we didn't have time to go into this. So now that that is done, we can get back into um, to giving out copies of the mythological dimensions of Doctor Who. And it's our way of thanking... Those that support Dr. Pachock by um, randomly selecting a Pachock supporting subscriber. If you're not one already, check out our website. If you go to Pachock.net on the top, there's a banner there to become that will give you information on how to become a Dr. Pachock supporting subscriber. The same thing at ArtTrap.com, and it really does make a difference for a small monthly fee. Um, it helps support the show. We can keep the show going. And um, and like I said, what we like to do is, um, as a uh, act of gratitude, is to give things. You know, do extra episodes, or when we have an opportunity to give something away, we'll give it away to um, supporting subscribers. Now, unfortunately, we don't have enough books to give away to all our supporting subscribers, so we have to do uh, we have to randomly choose someone. So, what we do is use a site called Random.org. There's a true random number generator there. So we're going to use that to pick a number, and then I'm going to go to our supporting list there to see which um, which number that corresponds to. So here we go live. There's no noise though, so you're going to have to imagine. No oh, drum roll. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to imagine some sort of. Uh, randomizer noise so the TARDIS had a randomizer at one point but I don't know if it made a noise either but I don't think it did but this is the true random number generator and here we go I'm hitting the generate button now it's came up with 44 so um that's um two more than 42 so let's see who um and and um and these numbers change by the way as far as the list goes because the the um as people come join and and leave whatever that the number let me go and find out who that is now um, let's see 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 7, 8, 9, 10 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 16, 17, 18 19, 20 21, 22 23, 24, 25, 26 27 Oops. 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 44, uh, 43, 43. 44, and the winner is Stephen, Stephen Peckering is the, is the winner, so, um. Congratulations, Steve, and we'll, um, I'll be in touch via email with you and get your address so we can send this to you. And thank you for being a Patrick supporting subscriber. And um, I'm so delighted that we're, you know, I'm also happy that it wasn't the last time I did this. It, <laughs> it, I, You know, I thought it was going to be Anthony S. Burge, who's one of the, the editor of the book, that was going to win because <laughs> the way I, I, I had counted it, uh, but I, I actually went, Instead of I went from um, the top down instead of bottom up in, in the chronological order. Anyway, so um, I, I was just <laughs> just worried that was going to happen again. So I'm glad it didn't. And congratulations, Stephen! You get a, you'll get a copy of of this book, and it'll be sent to you once I have your details. So I'll be in touch with you. Um, probably by the time this podcast goes out, you may already have the book. So, but um, congratulations, just the same.
1: Yeah, and you'll enjoy it. I've got a copy. A couple of the quotes from the back of recommendations. Uh, This is from uh, Matthew Dow Smith. Uh, Neil Gaiman has clearly captured the imagination of a generation of fantasy readers, including the authors featured in this book, Uh, Lynette Porter... Uh, as many of the game and stories analysed in this book attest, our entertainment and intellectual lives are never the same once we read or hear the words and if we follow his example, we too can bring magic to our madness. Uh, yeah, And I had a really great interview with the, these three guys uh, back in June 2012. So, um, uh, great book, great, great people
0: shortly after you had yours, they came on our show too. we did an interview there as well. Indeed. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great book. Um, and we want to thank the publishers and the editors of the book for um, supplying us with a couple copies to give away to our supporters. And um, a, and again, speaking about, um, a, you know, as we head into the holiday season, if you're looking for gifts to leave, uh, you know, underneath the tree or whatever your, your tradition may be, then um, this is a, a definitely one that you want to consider. It's available now, so you definitely want to get your hands on it. Why not do all three books that we're talking about in this episode? So you got Michael's book. You have the mythological dimensions of Doctor. Now, Mike, Michael's book is whose story is it called?
1: It's called Who Astrology. Who Astrology. Who Astrology. Who Astrology, I should say. That's H-W-H-O-S-T-R-O-L-O-G-Y. Uh, uh, Who Astrology.
0: Okay, and then there's the mythological dimensions of Doctor Who, and the other book that w- that I spoke about and, and reviewed is Love and Monsters: The Doctor Who Experience, nineteen seventy nine to the present, and that's by Miles Bowie or Bo. It's, it's B O O Y, and I, I should also point out that um, that he's a P- he has a PhD, so you can call him the Doctor. <laughs> huh. So I I did um, I did get in touch with the publisher and invited the author on the show, so we may have him on the show at one point, but um, I don't know if, you know, I don't want to promise that until we get a confirmation, so. um, But definitely definitely, all three books are worth checking out, and um, very excited to talk about them here. This has been a very book-centric episode of Talk to You, (laughs) I feel like we should have our reading glasses on. Our brainy specs. And all of them, you know, aren't uh, – coincidentally, none of them are, you know, telling like a fictional – they're not novels. You know, they're, they're – um, one is a collection of essays. Another one's giving a, a historical account of Doctor Who through a fan's eyes. They're the type of books that you don't – you know, you can – You can read piecemeal. You could read a chapter here. You can go from one book to the other and read them all simultaneously as well. So I kind of enjoy those type of books, you know, where you sort of, you know, where a novel you sort of kind of have to kind of read right through it. And otherwise you'll forget certain things and what happened and what's going on with characters here. You don't have to worry about that. And you kind of can jump around and and read, read them piecemeal.
1: Well, well, to be fair, uh, at the beginning we also mentioned the Doctor Who Prisoners of Time series of books.
0: Yes, and Mary Tam's book. So, yeah. Ooh. I <laughs> feel
1: very intellectual now. Very intellectual.
0: <laughs> In fact, I, other than, you know, the Arthur Darvall, you know, uh, and Mark Gaddis Television and John Sim wanting to return, everything about this episode's been about book. Well, we did, we did mention the conventions, but... Um, Outside of those, it's been a very um, book-centric episode. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into feedback, which is um, something that we could write a book about, and maybe one day we will. (laughs) (laughs) We get enough feedback to do that so uh, we have we have lots of feedback to cover because uh, you know during our live shows we take live feedback, but those that have sent in us sent us feedback didn't have a chance to, you know we we didn't have a chance to explore that feedback yet because we were busy doing the live shows one after the other and doing you know you know we couldn 't really you know do recorded feedback then because you had live people waiting in the wings to to speak so um, so we 're going to kind of catch up on. Um, on on those that have sent in feedback during that time, so some of this are you know some of this feedback is going to talk about some of the the, the new episodes of Doctor Who that were just on. So it um, you kind of have to put yourself in that mindset of going back in time a few weeks and seeing what they had to say. But first up is oh I should also remind you that if you want to send us feedback, you can call the Doctor Who public call box which is 206-984-3543 you can call 24 hours a day it's a it's a voicemail number so you basically just call and leave a message and that um, it gives us a, you know a recording that we can then use on the show so again the number is 206-984-3543 or you can just go to our website podchock.net, and there's on the top there there's a menu selection for feedback. It will have the number there and other ways of sending feedback. You can simply record it on your smartphone, you know or do a voice memo and just email it to us at feedback at pachock.net. All right, so let's go and uh, we're going to go back to um, this is uh, Justin from Ohio.
4: Hi guys, this is Justin from Ohio, and, uh, just got done listening to the latest episode. Great interview with Mary Tam. Uh, great interview with the, uh, Mythological Dimensions with Neil Gaiman editors as well. Really enjoyed that. And, uh, I, uh, liked, uh, the, uh, the feedbacks this time. Um, Blue Box Bill, really cool. Like the modulator. Uh, I, uh, actually had a, uh, answer to the uh, feedback that I heard you read about uh, missing uh, the former hosts of Podshock. And uh, I, too, enjoyed listening to them. I've been a long-time listener uh, and uh, and on-and-off supporter of the show. Very proud to be back supporting the show, by the way. Uh, Thanks for the great stuff you guys provide. But uh, I think I have an answer to uh, where Podshock has come. So uh, I wrote you a creed based on uh, the end of that episode where you guys uh, quoted some, some Doctor Who lines. So I wrote you a creed that uh, I think says it all. There are listeners out there whose ears are burning, whose iPods sleep while downloading podcast dreams. Commentaries filled with jokes And intros made of song Somewhere there's a need Somewhere there's a yearning And somewhere else the streams are getting old So come on Lewis, Dave, and Ian
0: You've got shows to do (laughs) That's great, thank you Thank you indeed for that Uh, Thank you for being a supporter And that's great coming up With that um, that, that piece there Uh, Something that we should... um, Hold true to yes. Uh, somewhere their streams are getting stale. So, <laughs> yeah. In my mind, it was the Seventh Doctor saying that. Yes, of course. I, that was this, uh, uh, you know, inspired piece by the end of you know at the the end of um, um survival survival. Yes, which was the the last televised Doctor Who um, story before its long hiatus. Before it came back in twenty. Well, before it came back with the eighth doctor for one moment for one story but then before it came back in 2005 which you know they started doing you know the, the announcement that doctor who was coming back was um late 2003 and we're, we're heading into 2013 i know it's the 50th anniversary of doctor who but soon it's going to be the 10th anniversary of it coming back you know which which is wow. weird yeah all right. Well, let's right. get back to feedback because we got more to cover. So now, next up is Greg in Florida, who uh, who has sent us a, a, a couple of feedbacks. And this is uh, we're trying to do it in, um, in in chronological order here. So this is um, Greg in Florida, one of two of his feedbacks.
5: All right. This is Greg from Florida. And my faithful. Uh,
0: Hold on, I, I have to um, back up. I just realized he, he sent three, not two, so I was playing the, the second one instead of the first one. Let us let me just do that again.
5: Hey, this is Greg in Florida. Really enjoyed the uh, the season premiere of Doctor Who. Uh, long awaited. That uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, you can really see where they spend the money on these things, though, can't you? I mean, the outdoor shots were so beautiful, and uh, but then the interiors were, you know, relatively low budget by today's standards. But still, it was fun. Um, the surprise appearance of a Jenna Louise Coleman sure caught me off guard, as I'm sure it did for everybody else. And I really don't know how they can bring her back. I mean, the Doctor won't risk crossing into her earlier timeline because the Reapers will show up like in Father's Day, right? Or maybe she'll be playing Oswin's twin cousin who worked at the old Torchwood with Martha's twin cousin. <laughs> or maybe Jenna Louise will come back playing a descendant of Oswin, like Oswin Oswald the Tenth or something like Instead of Liz 10, it's Oz Ten. Oh, wait, I get it now. OSWIN, O-S-WIN. That stands for Operating Systems Windows, and (laughs) her descendant would be Windows OS 7. Anyway, I I like uh, Jenna Louise. Uh, She reminds me of Helena Bonham Carter with her smooth nonchalance, and uh, she's got some good style. So I look forward to seeing her when we see her again. Um, Anyway, that's all. So keep up the good work at Art Trap Productions. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Art Trap. I, did,
0: I just got it.
5: Art Trap. Art Trap. It's so obvious. Art
4: Trap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you, Greg. Yes. <laughs> trap 1 to Greyhound. We have a winner. Yes. Thank you, Greg. Um, it's... Uh, it's it, there's so many theories out there, you know, surrounding Jenna Louise Coleman and, and her character, and whether or not the companion is going to be the, the same or not. And uh, you know, we've seen the preview. I mean, this isn't spoilers, be- and because uh, it's out there, we you know that we know that she's going to be in the Christmas story and um from her dress and that the way she's dressed it look you know it looks like a period piece and um it could be an um you know maybe a, a descendant of hers of Oswin who knows i don't know you know and and even if I didn't an know,
1: ancestor of her an but, ancestor that's what i her. that's
0: what i meant that's what i meant like an, uh, a previous ancestor not a descendant um yes thank you dave yeah. so yeah like it's going to be Gwyn- interesting and
1: Gwyneth from torchwood like Gwyn- and Gwyneth from yes, torchwood exactly yeah so sort listen of
0: well, you know, obviously a, we'll like find young, out. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: go ahead. like a young, like a young Helen Bonham, Bonham Carter. I can see where uh, Grace got that idea from. Yeah.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, moving forward in in uh, feedback, this is a D Scott 750.
6: Hey guys, D Scott 750. Scott from Tulsa. I just watched Asylum of the Daleks for like the second, third time. And the same notion came to mind yet again. What the parliament sent the doctor honestly down to the, down to the surface in order to deal with, deal with Oswin, who could have been a mistake. She I just kept going through my mind that maybe Oswin was a mistake of theirs that they wanted to cover up or possibly something we have not yet seen. Just wanted to drop that little hmm. And as always, D. Scott 750, the blind dyslexic. Ciao for now.
0: Thank you, D. Scott. As I said, there there are many theories abound, so. Yeah.
1: There was no doubt about it. It was—I um, don't know whether it, it distracted from that story having her there, but it certainly uh, made everybody sit up, bolt right, upright, and think. Uh, in fact, I was so—I was so taken by the fact that she was in it uh, that I, it never twigged to me that uh, you know the, the way it turned out. That uh, when the doctor actually uh, finds her and discovers her in the room, it never occurred to me that—not uh, because I'm thick. Well, I don't think it's because I'm thick but simply because I was still, you know, still churning to myself that she was actually in the episode.
0: <laughs> well, it, it distracted me a little bit because since I hadn't seen her in, or, you know, I hadn't seen her in anything else, you know, I've only seen photographs of her, so it was like, Think I, I kept on th- saying to myself, "Isn't that Jenna Louise Coleman?" You know, I kept on saying that to myself. Isn't that Jenna Louise Coleman? And then, if it is, why is she here, or why did they cast her? And um, so it was. It was a little distracting the first time watching it because uh, that kept on going through my head. Um, whereas maybe if I had knew that she was going to be in it, and uh, I would have just said, "Oh yeah, that's General Louise Coleman," and just then move forward. But I don't know. It, that probably, probably was just isolated to me. But it, I felt it was a little distracting only because uh, you know it it was held so tight secret about it you know and we didn't know anything about that she was going to be in it b- before
1: yeah uh, one th- one thing i will say is that i saw before in titanic uh that series that just mm-hmm. aired recently and she can certainly do historical personas very well indeed mm-hmm. she you know uh because of course you know it's 100 years since the titanic and uh, so she she i don't think if 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 it is a period piece and so on and so forth uh she will have no problem with that i mean sometimes you see actresses and they look so modern day in a yeah. historical yeah. drama um, uh, and it 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 can take you out of the storyline but i think she's she's going to be absolutely fine with that
0: well, um, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her, and I guess, you know, we have to wait until Christmas, which will be here before you know it. I mean, we're approaching November already, so it's it's hard to believe that it's how fast this year is, you know, going by. So, you know, for those that are counting the days, and you know who you are, <laughs> it will be here before you know it. And then we have Count another slower, few slower,
1: please. Count slower. Yes. Count slower. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, moving forward, once again, we have Blue Box Bill, who's a, a regular, who's becoming a regular at feedback, but is a regular on our website. You know, at pachak.net or gallifrenemies.org, he's always writing pieces there and uh, making contributions on the website. So you definitely want to check out his uh, what he because he's always says interesting stuff that he's posting. So um, you know, in the forums there. So check it out at org. But this is. Um, once again, he's, uh, he's, he's using a, a voice modulator, or not a modulator, but a, a computer-generated um, voice for his feedback here. And this is a blue box bill.
7: Greetings and salutations, Podshock. Well, this is exciting. My very first post-regeneration feedback. My previous synthesized voice had a smegging bug in it. So, as the doctor ordered, I took my antibiotics, rid myself of the bug, and got a new voice today's audio feedback is in response to PodShock 277 i was taken by surprise with the appearance of jenna louise coleman as a human dalek in asylum of the daleks a very pleasant and tragic surprise indeed now a quick pop quiz can you name the actor who shot the doctor and then went on to become the doctor please raise your hand if you know the answer Time's up. The correct answer is Colin Baker, who portrayed Commander Maxwell in Ark of Infinity, and later became the sixth doctor in the Caves of Andrasani. Actors often return to the series as different characters. Nicholas Courtney first appeared as space security agent Brett Vine in The Daleks Master Plan, and then later returned in The Web of Fear, where he breathed life into our beloved Lethbridge Stewart. I don't know about you, but I miss the brig. On the other plunger, um, sorry, I mean on the other hand, Arswin, (laughs) a.k.a. Souffle Girl, and the Doctor's next companion, both played by Miss Coleman, could well be one in the same character, one who simply appears at different times. Time will tell, or perhaps, time travel, will tell. The Skittle Daleks didn't hesitate to obliterate their predecessors in Victory of the Daleks, So I concur with your opinion about their downright daft reasons for why they hadn't destroyed the asylum. It looked like nothing more than a ruse to capture and simultaneously destroy the Doctor, Amy, and Rory. Were it not for Oswin's few remaining shreds of humanity, I dare say, it would have worked. I like how the doctor was wiped from Dalek memory. It was a good laugh at their expense, and it allows everyone to encounter them in a whole new way. Seeing the special weapons Dalek, from remembrance of the Daleks, was, as they say, way cool, dude. I got a big kick out of dinosaurs on a spaceship. Mark Williams, who played Rory's father, also played Dave Lister's best friend, Olaf Peterson, in Red Dwarf. He was excellent in both roles, and I agree, it's a major plot pothole for the Doctor to be unfamiliar with Rory's dad, given that both were at Amy and Rory's wedding. But, and this is a hugely big but, bigger than the but, of the biggest monster that's ever been on Doctor Who. There's no reason to believe that Rory's parents were at his wedding, watch the Big Bang, or, leapfrog to the credits, there's no mention of a Mr. or Mrs. Williams. The Ponds have a lot of weekend adventures with the Doctor, too true, and too many, having said that, there are a couple of characters I'd like to see the Doctor either visit or pick up for a weekend adventure during the 50th anniversary season, namely, Ian, and Susan, William Russell and Carol Ann Ford, respectively, they were there in the beginning, how appropriate would it be for them, at the very least, to make cameo appearances some 50 years on. I watch the program on iTunes, new episodes aren't available the same day they are broadcast on TV, so to avoid spoilers, I don't join you for Podshock live reviews, unlike some fans, who whine online about spoilers, I stay away from sites and podcasts where they may crop up, it isn't rocket science, but to hear some fans, well, you'd think the world was coming to an end. So there you have it. Keep producing the best Don Doctor Who podcast out there. Until next time, happy travels from Blue Box Bill. Ah, great feedback. Oh, an
1: awful lot there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, on that final point there, I would just say that um, I know people get a bit paranoid about uh, spoilers, but I mean, uh, you don't even have to, to look at, you know, Doctor Who related forums, you can just go on Facebook, just check in your Facebook, and somebody who's just watched the episode in one country will put, you know, um, a, a screen grab up. And it may not have even aired in Australia or somewhere yeah. and they don't realise mm-hmm. that Facebook is all around the world. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, you understandably get miffed with that.
0: And I just realized while we are playing Bill, Blue, uh, Blue, Blue Box Bill's feedback that we didn't really do a spoiler alert before this feedback segment. So maybe I'll do that in post-production just to warn people that the feedback covers episodes of this um, past series, which, if you haven't seen yet, will contain spoilers. So we're assuming, if you listen to the show, that you're a Doctor Who fan enough to have seen the most recent episodes by now. But in case you haven't... yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and of course uh, the other points there were great points that he made. I mean, Karen Gillan appeared in Fires of Pompeii before she became uh, Oh yeah, Amy yeah. Pond, and Mar- yeah. Martha and Jones appeared before she became. But um, the other thing is that um, obviously that feedback was sent back before we had, um, you know, Jeff on the call, the Seventh Doctor, yes. talking about his his way Theory. that the those episodes were mm. out of. Sequence to us in in the in the sequence they happened to them, but shown to us
0: it was in a, in it, a, out of order it was it, it seems i mean it, there's a case to be made that they were shown in amy 's timeline, not in the doctor 's timeline
1: yeah yeah oh, not i was, yeah
0: yeah it's it's a good, good point stuff. yeah and and um I would love to see i think it would be great to see um Ian Chesterton back. You know, obviously, the, um, William Russell is um, is up to it. You know, he he was, to my knowledge, he, you know, he was very spry, and um, you know, he was at he was at uh, Gallifrey, you know, in the U.S. Uh, last February and all that. So, you know, I, I think he he would be up to doing something. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't speak for the actor, but I, I would think he would be. And and the same thing with Carol uh, uh, Carol Ann Ford. And I mean, unfortunately, we we lost. Um, um, you know. Um, who played Barbara? Too many, uh, yeah. too many to name. Yeah, but uh, so Barbara can't be back. But um, but she did return yeah. to the series before. You know, playing. It. Speaking of characters coming back to the series, playing another part, uh, she did as well. And uh, Jacqueline Hill. That's the that's I was getting. That's what I couldn't remember her name. Jacqueline Jacqueline Hill right. played um, Barbara Wright, and she had returned to the to the series. Um, later on playing a different character in, what was it, that, that um, Beast Below thing, That not the Beast Below, but the, the creature from the pit or something like that. Um, anyway. Uh, All right. We'll get back to you on that. Let's see, moving forward with feedback, that was, um, we, we had Blue Box Bill, so we're going to go back to Greg in Florida, and let's make sure I play the right one.
5: All right, this is Greg from Florida and my faithful companion, K9. Um, hey, the show just keeps raising the level of crazy with each episode, uh, hasn't it? Um, the uh, dinosaurs on a spaceship, Chris Chibnall's script, kind of reminds me of a Jack Kirby comic book or some of Grant Morrison's comics when he's channeling Kirby, uh, if you know what I mean. It's kind of like Morrison can just whack his head against the keyboard and the wild ideas just come flying out all over. It's like Chris Chibnall just reaches into the toy box and takes out pieces at random and reassembles them and builds a story around them, which is cool. We got Queen Nefertiti, we got a wild game hunter, dinosaurs. Why not throw in a spaceship and Rory's dad? So, lots of fun, lots of laughs. Uh, having said that, why did the Doctor leave Solomon to die? He killed the Triceratops, yeah, but he's just a guy. He's an evil guy, but he can hardly walk. He take away his weapons and his existence wasn't a direct threat. It's not like he was a Dalek doctor could have knocked him out or tied him up instead of leaving him to die on that ship. Uh, I thought that was kind of cold. I don't know. Um, I recently watched the animated film Superman vs. the Elite and uh, the film does a great job of explaining how a hero, really a real hero, doesn't kill if possible. There's a scene where some terrorists are captured and Superman says we're not just going to kill them, they're going to go to jail and go to trial, otherwise we start becoming like bad guys. Um, Anyway, just wondering what you thought about that. Uh, I'm glad that we didn't get a lot of the dark brooding introspection that we had so much of last year. Uh, but I would like to see a little less fluff so that the story wouldn't go by quite so fast. Um, hey, how many people wondered why Rory's dad didn't meet the doctor at Rory and Amy's wedding, apparently? It was his memory of the doctor erased? Did he not make it to the wedding? I'm sure there's a simple reason. But it's these kinds of things that keep those silly fanboys up all night losing sleep sleepover. Um, but anyways... It was nice to see Rupert Graves, who plays the Strahd on Sherlock, um, makes me crave a Sherlock Doctor Who crossover. And it was an interesting concept that um, the country of India apparently had the responsibility for the planetary defense technology um, and the control room and the computer displays, as as they were influenced by traditional Indian design elements. So that was uh, interesting. So, uh, I need to get some sleep. Okay, uh, I turn it back over to you. Don't wander off, and don't let Zygons be Zygons, bring him back. <laughs>
1: Thank yes, you, Gerard. Just before we go to, the, just before we go to that, it, it was Meg Loss that she returned back in 1980.
0: Uh, oh, okay. Thank you. I,
1: that, I thought it was the, 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 the Jacqueline Hill. Came.
0: Yeah, I, th- I thought. Um, for some reason, I, I was thinking it was the creature from the pit or something. All right,
1: right. Uh, but um, some 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 great points there. I mean, uh, um, what do you say? I mean. Um, we speculate about all these things all the time and uh, and find it difficult to sort of uh, comment. I mean, sometimes you, the feedback is feedback and, and, and it stands on its own. Uh, I don't know whether you want to comment on any particulars.
0: Well, I, I, again, we're dealing with, you know, sort of like, you know, speculation and, and why, you know, was... Um um Brian that, that now that yep. we know his name was was he at the wedding was he not at the wedding it sort of goes back to um uh, one of the other feedbacks saying that he he the, the, the uh the williams were not listed in the credits so maybe they weren't in the at the wedding and you know yet the doctor knows Brian's name and now it goes back to Jeff's theory about you know the timelines and all that so it's all interesting stuff but it's it's hard to um um, you know you know to say for sure what 's going on until we have more info, I do want to say that there was a scene with um, you know where Rory w- says goodbye to his father through a written piece, and this was uh, not shot it was uh, it was originally part of the script in um, in, in the um, episode of um, the Angels Take Manhattan. And what they did was they took that part of the script and they, I don't want to say they animated it, but they, they drew out um, they drew out the scenes like storyboards. And then they there's a video of it that was uh, put out on YouTube and you could watch it. And I, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, I might, I think it might have been released the same time as New York Comic Con. And I was, I was busy at that convention and I didn't have time to post it on our site. So maybe I'll do that. And, um, you know, and you can find it on our our site or go to uh, YouTube and um, you can find it, find it there. But it's it's basically it's a nice poetic, you know, goodbye to, you know, that Rory makes to his father. I won't spoil it by saying how it's done, but it's interesting to see.
1: Yeah. The announcements about it went up on the 12th of October.
0: Yes, exactly. um, That's New York Comic Con started on, on the 12th. So that's that's why I I was sort of had my hands full with that, and I couldn't um, post it on our site. I was hoping someone else might have, but I don't think I I have to check. Maybe someone else did, but perhaps Blue Box Bill did. Um, So, but if there's probably a link on our site. If not, I'll put the video up there soon. Um, uh, Yeah, you're right. It's Meglos that um, Jacqueline Hill appeared in as uh, as Lexia, and um, she has she died of cancer, bone cancer, back in 1993. So she was only 63 at the time. So it's a terrible loss that mm. we don't have her. And she was born on the same day as me, the 17th of December. So um, <laughs> I always I always loved her as um, you know playing Barbara Wright. I always loved the character. I think she did a wonderful job there. It was something very um. Um, I think she captured the, the it was 1963, and I, I think she kind of sort of captured that error that she reminded me uh, not that I knew it was before my time, but you know it, it reminded me a bit of Jackie Kennedy the way she looked and all that mm. all right well let 's um, I guess uh, we 'll continue with our feedback we got more one more from blue box Bill and let 's hear what blue box has to say now
7: Greetings and salutations pod shark. Season 7 is rolling right along. How time flies when you're having fun, but I wonder, does time land? Well apparently it just has, so I suppose it is safe to say, that after time flies, it lands. Today's audio feedback is in response to Podshock 278. Familiarity breeds contempt, however, it is our familiarity, or perhaps better put, it is our intimate knowledge of the Doctor, Amy, and Rory and the dynamics of their relationships which separates a town called Mercy from all other stories of this genre. Fans of the good Doctor are attuned to his morality, morality which sets the stage for every episode. Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor, has remarked a number of ways about how the Doctor is a rather well-defined character, one who isn't likely to suddenly become violent, amorous, or vicious. Keeping the character real requires one to act within certain parameters. It is only when one acts out of character that we sit up and take note. We break out in hysterical laughter the first time we hear a particularly funny joke, but each time we hear that same joke, it becomes a bit less funny, and eventually it's not funny at all, but rather completely predictable. The morality play which played out before us in a town called Mercy did so in a very predictable way, because our three main characters behaved as they were expected to behave, we were able to anticipate what might happen next, so it would make sense for this episode to be somewhat tedious to long time fans, which also explains why the plot seemed a bit flat. When the cyborg first appeared, I couldn't help but see Crichton, from Red Dwarf, and he was wearing a ten-gallon hat. This was perhaps yet another indication of how the story seemed cobbled together from scraps found on a cutting room floor. The cyborg's voice, while nicely modulated, had a bit too much echo in it for it to be a credible, outdoor voice. But credit where credit is due, many of the scenes were masterfully shot, in particular, the scenes during which Rory and the Marshal were being stalked by the cyborg. Hands down, they were as good as any big-budget Hollywood film. A Town Called Mercy wasn't a bad story, just a bit predictable, it had its funny moments, and, as always, there were a number of opportunities for the special effects wizards to shine, and shine they did. One final note, I rather like how each episode has a unique logo in the opening credits, but I suppose that's just me being a geek. Until next time, happy trails, and happy travels, from Blue Box Bill.
1: Happy Trails, that's Roy Rogers who used to say that, isn't it?
0: <laughs> that's it. One of those Western people. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, was, I think it was Roy Rogers, yeah. Um, yeah uh, the thing about all these episodes uh, of this series, and particularly that Town Call Mercy, I didn't find myself particularly enjoying it when I first watched it. It felt a bit flat, but there's also much in it that. Um, Definitely, uh, I would recommend to anybody who's who perhaps only watched any of these episodes once. They all bear two or three rewatchings, and and not in Ken's usual statement about it. Ken usually says, you know, uh, you know, if it's so good and I want to rewatch it, I'm simply saying that even if you didn't rate it that highly, once you've rewatched it, I think your rating will mm. be more likely yeah. to go up than down. Yeah.
0: No, I agree. And I think a lot of things that Bill had said in that about uh, this episode echoes what we had said when we reviewed it. Uh, I, I said that it was very formulaic as far as Westerns go. It had all the Western motifs in it, and if... Um, You know, it got a little cliche, but having said that, I mean, what they did do was very good. I mean, it was good stuff, but it just it it, it, yeah, it is predictable. If you know if you if you've seen one Western story, all those elements are in there. You could pretty much predict where this was going and um, not much that was in there that we hadn't seen before. Having said that, though, like Dave just said, the more you watch it, the, the you can explore different layers of that. If you get beyond the cliche of the western motif, then you can explore different layers that are in that story. But, but on the surface level, it is very predictable, and and as I said, um, fits that whole western style of of. of, of and, and I guess maybe that was intentional, perhaps, and I'm sure it was. Yeah. Uh,
1: and again, we were having some great guest stars as well, which is mm-hmm. one of the other things that of, uh, we, we made point of. I think, and, and, and other people that I've talked to made that point is that you know the the the, um, the cast of guest actors they've had has been really uh, the breadth of them astonishing from uh, the world of Harry Potter onwards. Brilliant,
0: absolutely. All right, well, we're going to round out our feedback with one... Well, our audio feedback, that is, with one, one last piece of audio feedback. And this is, um, once again, Greg in Florida. And this is um, what he had to say.
5: All right, this is Greg from Florida. I left a couple of voicemails to you in the past few weeks. But by now, the speculations I was making are obviously outdated and apparent, apparently inaccurate. Um, I was also calling in with very little sleep before, so... Please don't air my previous comments. I'll Uh-oh. summarize and update them now. Uh-oh.
1: Um
5: Suffice it to say that the show just keeps on raising the level of crazy with it each episode. Asylum of the Daleks, uh, the twist at the end, took me by surprise. Uh, Jenna Louise Coleman is pretty cool. She has a cute, Helena Bonham Carter-type nonchalance to her. Um, dinosaurs, uh, that Chris Chibnall script really reminds me of something that comic creators like Jack Kirby or Grant Morrison would dream up. Like Chibnall just reaches into the toy box, takes out pieces at random, and reassembles them and builds a story around them. we got Queen Nefertiti, we got a wild game hunter, dinosaurs, why not throw in a spaceship? Rory's dad. Lots of fun. Lots of laughs. i um, glad we didn't get the dark, brooding introspection that we had so much of last year. But I'd like a little less fluff so that the story wouldn't go by so fast. Oh, did anybody notice uh, in that episode that the robots were a variation of the the Titan? Um, there's, there's these guys who... Um, have built this robot suit. Uh, it's called the Titan, I think, um, that, that performs around uh, England mostly. I think at different, I don't know, events, charity shows, and stuff. People can um, hire them to come, and they have this, these suits that look really. I mean, essentially the ones you saw on the show. It's a brilliant design, but it's the costume that these guys can walk around in and uh, have it synchronized to synchronize the music, and they dance around and stuff. And um, so, anyway, um, that was cool to see them using the, uh, the Titan robot suit. Uh, it was nice to see Rupert Graves, who plays for on Sherlock. It makes me crave a Sherlock, Doctor Who, in uh, crossover. A town called Mercy uh, has very nice scenery. Uh, again, that's where they put the money in the scenery. Uh, but i got to say, the gunslinger makeup was not up to modern standards. And also, as an American, I can say that I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't have had a black preacher in uh, the town of white people back at that time period. Um, I, I think, I'm pretty sure. Um, but anyway, uh, still nice story. I'm, I'm probably pretty ignorant when um, when I try to improvise a medieval British dialogue too, or, or try to make up stories about um, a country that um, I don't know much about the history of. But anyways, uh, turning it back to you, don't wander off, and hopefully we won't let Zygons be Zygons. Oh, and by the way, I finally realized where the name Art Trap Productions comes from. I see what you did there.
0: Well, Greg, you have to forgive us for playing your previous feedback before. (laughs) Well, it it was all good. I mean, you just just better clarified your your previous feedback. So uh, apologies for any repetitiveness there. But um, it's not Greg's fault. He told us not to play back his previous one, but we already did. Um, Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's all good stuff
0: yes yes, and um yeah, and i I thought the same thing, watching that episode for the first time i i I did raise an eyebrow, you know being that they had a black preacher there, you know, being that the time period that this was taking place, whether or not that would have happened in reality, um, in hindsight, though maybe this town was a bit unusual because they were already accepted an alien as, you know, as a member of the town as well. So, um, you know, maybe th- this is uh, not your typical, even though it looks like your typical Western town, at least ha- as it portrayed in, in, in Hollywood, maybe the, um, you know, th- this town was uh, not, you know, so typical after all, but mm. I don't know.
1: Well, they had the alternate
0: lifestyle horses. Yeah. They? Well, they got the, yeah. <laughs> Though I guess the doctor was the only one that knew about it, but you don't know about you know what was going on with the other horses after dark. <laughs> all right, well, horsing around now. So, uh, yeah, and for our listeners, I, I know some of this uh, feedback seems dated now, but as I said, we you know when we were doing the live shows, and I know Bill explained the reason why he didn't appear on the live shows because uh, of the spoilers and all that, and and because of the delay of iTunes and all that, and I really wish that it's gotten a lot better in recent years. But you know, I really wish there's a way that we could all sort of like watch the the new episodes at this, you know, day and day, no matter what, where, and where you, you know, what geographically where you are, and um, and and by however means you you can do it, you know, um, you know, through iTunes or television or whatever. It'd be great that if we could all be on the same playing field you know and um you know we usually do the live review shows the day after because it's fresh in our memory and, and because if we wait a week then we'll have a new episode you know so um so that's that's the thing in there but i do want to thank everyone for you know giving their feedback and um you know we, we do try to get to them and we do have a um an email that was sent to us as well. So obviously this is an audio podcast, so we prefer audio feedback. But if you send us uh, something in email, we'll, we'll, we'll take that too. And this is um, sent by Jill. She writes Deal Lewis. Um, by the way, I'm L-O-U-I-S, not L-E-W, but that's okay. <laughs> Just to let you know, you're right. And astonishing, Dave was wrong. Dave was wrong. Here in the UK, pants is absolutely a synonym for underpants and has been all my life. Only in recent years has the American usage started to creep in. Uh, And then she includes a Chambers Dictionary definition, defines pants as follows. Chambers Dictionary defines pants as follows. Pants, plural uh, noun, one is knickers or underpants, or two is trousers, especially in North America. So Rory's comments in the Power of Three makes perfect sense. So do all the so do all the references to pants in Coupling. Uh, Coupling's another show, by the way. Um, it's not an episode of Doc Two. Just making that clarification. And yes, I've heard it said that Superman wears his pants outside of his trousers. The second meaning really is used here, um, except apparently by Dave. <laughs> I still chuckle at the mismatch between the uses of the words across the pond in in the recent movie the ch- the cabin in the woods there's an early scene in which one character says to another you're not wearing pants of and of course he meant trousers but not that not that <clears throat> I'm sorry but that not what we Brits here well most of us anyway still Still not sure why Dave adopted the American usage. All the best, Jill.
1: Okay, well, um, let me let me answer. Now, first of all, I, I will admit this could be a generational thing. I'm sure Jill's a lot younger than myself, but uh, I think it's actually um, there's a bit of a a, 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 a boy girl thing going on here. Um, as far as I understand it, if if, um, if if a guy's in a house, you know, he's got up and he's uh, gone to the bathroom or whatever, and he's looking for his pants. He will be looking for his trousers. Where if a girl is 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 reaching for a pants or a briefs, that that would mean her underwear. But for a man, uh, a man would a man of certainly my generation would would wonder where his underpants were if he was. And and of course, Rory says, "I'm in my pants," but of course, to me, he was in his underpants. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, you know, uh, the the thing I said about Superman was um, the quote I mentioned about that Superman wears his pants outside of his trousers was to say that, that that was the reference I was making mm. to say it's the Americans that say pants because Superman is always known as having you know his, his pants. But in the UK, when children, uh, uh, you know, uh, do dressing up they would put their underpants on outside their trousers to pretend to be Superman, but they would call them their underpants. But I I do think there's there's this generic word, pants, that more women have used, perhaps because it it seems less, you know, giggly and um, embarrassing to use the word pants than it is to say knickers are, you know, whatever else girls wear underneath, you know what I mean? So... I think that's where it may well be. But I do accept it could be a generational thing. But to me, if, if a man's in his own house and his family members around and he said... Uh, if he said to the other members of the family, "Have you seen my pants, he would be referring to perhaps his trousers that somebody's been ironing or he wants to iron. Mm. And he would be wearing his underpants. So. But... um Send your feedback if you agree with Jill or disagree with me. <laughs> I've been known to be wrong occasionally, Jill. Um but I, 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 I'm wondering whether there's just that boy girl divide on that one.
0: Yeah. I I think, you know, I know you know we got into this discussion once before. I mean generally speaking, in this in in America and the States here, pants are used you know synonymously with trousers. Uh though you know, I, I think, and I don't want to speak for him, but I, I think we got into the conversation. I don't know if it was on a Dr. Who talk or not, but I think James and I and, and maybe Ken got into this discussion in an early episode of Dr. Hupan. Or it could have just been a discussion off, you know, off the show, you know, about it as well. You know, where I think, um, you know, you know, where James had mentioned, you know, again, Coinciding to what this Chambers Dictionary says, you know, um, as far as pants goes, you know, being underpants and and how it's different in the U.S. and it's not just you know, obviously we can go into other uh, other other um, stuff that's different as well, you know, such as braces and um, in the in the states that would mean something that you would put on your teeth uh, to 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 uh, yeah. to, to. I, I mean, your-
1: nowadays with things change... With things changing around, um, a lot of guys would wear boxers, so they would call them boxers, mm-hmm. boxer shorts, where, you know, these were definitely the old fashioned Y fronts that, a uh, bit seven hour, I was quite surprised what he was wearing, really. They'll write something out of the 1970s rather than the current day ones. What, the orange with a pattern on them or something? Yeah. I always strange. find
0: it interesting. I always, you know, the differences I always I relish in, and I always found it interesting. That's why, even you know, there's a reference here to Coupling, which is another British series. Which it wasn't um, Stephen Moffat? Wasn't that his creation? I, I believe. Yeah, I so, don't,
1: I've never actually watched that. So,
0: well, anyway, it's um, you know, I you know, I was also enjoyed. Um, are you being served? And you know, obviously, that takes place in a um, in a clothing store, in a department store. And you know, obviously, you by watching that series, you would learn as an American, you would learn some of the differences as far as you know, as you said, Dave, wide fronts and and boxes and how that, that, that's different. And as I was alluding to before, with braces and in the U.S., um, you know, with Michael Gray back in the day when he was um, at, you know out to get Doctor Who, and he was always wearing. What we would call in the US suspenders, but in the in the in the UK it was uh braces. So that was a little educational um well, element yeah. to that. Yeah.
1: I mean in the UK suspenders hold stockings up, you
0: know. <laughs> So it's I find it all interesting, you know, the, the differences I, I relish. And so that's why when, when some British shows, are, you know, are made into American shows like The Office, when I watch the U.S. version of The Office, I just find the whole – I find it a bit boring because it doesn't have all those – the interesting British culture is missing from it. And I, to me, that was one of the assets to the original series of The Office that was made in the U.K. was that uh, – it was another window into the British – Culture and that's just missing, obviously, in the American version. And you could say the same thing with Life on Mars as well. So, um, so yeah, it's it's. I find it all interesting and good, you know. And that's why we like yeah. many of Ameri- you know, longtime fans want to keep Doctor Who British, and we don't want to see an American version of it because we do like the British culture of it, and you know, it's. And as I said with um, with the Angels Take Manhattan, it's always great to seeing Doctor Who on location somewhere else outside of the UK, but. It, you know, chiefly it needs to be, you know, uh, you know, the Doctor's always going to land in in the U.K. and, you know, it's always going to be centered around the U.K. because it's a U.K.-made production and that's what we like about it. And, you know, even though I do like when they do go on location, but it's always going to have its home base there in the U.K.,
1: uh, and one last thing for this is uh, if you go to the bbc.co.uk forward slash news site and look for an article called 30 uh, of your Brit- Britishisms used by Americans uh, and basically they, they're all interchanging now, I mean apparently in, in America they, they, they know what the word chav means now where they're never used to and cheeky and uh, yeah. uh, fancy mm-hmm. and uh, frock and gap year and gobsmacked uh, now this is the opposite. Of course, this is Americans understanding. Uh, uh, Nickers is included in there. Um, uh, so there's a little article there. The point is that things get so crossed over, you, you, you forget where the origin was, where the start, mm-hmm. where the start and finish are. But Jill, uh, I'm sure you know. Um, I, I'm, I'm not entirely right, and I'm, I'm sure you make very, very valid points. Uh, My only defence is I I think women are more likely to use the word pants from the garments, Uh, and then I'm going to shut up now as I'm going
0: to get myself in more (laughs) You don't want to get your knickers in a twist. (laughs) (laughs) Let's stop there, please. Well, thank you, Jill. We always appreciate your uh, feedback and be it, you know, audio or or otherwise. But uh, again, to send in your feedback, you know, to send in audio feedback, call the the Dr. Who Podshock public call box at 206-984-3543. And like I said, it it works just like voicemail. Just leave a message there and we'll have – hopefully we'll get it on the show. And um, if if we didn't get your voice – if we didn't get your – if your feedback wasn't on our show yet, Please know that we do, um, you know, we do read and listen to them all and we try to get them on the show. And, uh, and we do thank you for always, you know, sending in your feedback and your responses. And it's always great to hear from you. So until next time, I think that's going to round out our show. So until next time. Oh, I hope so. I blinked. <laughs> you haven't blinked all blinked? Yes. the way through it. Well, uh, for those that are celebrating Halloween, happy Halloween, trick or treat. And hopefully this episode's a treat, not a trick for you. Or maybe it's a trick. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, cheers, everyone. Cheers. You have been listening to Dr. Who Pachak, presented by the fan run GallifernEmbassy.org. Dr. Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Dr. Who Pachak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Dr. Who Podchok theme music by Jeff Smith at TheJeffSmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifern Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices, now available in the iTunes App Store. Visit Octrap.com for more on this and other
6: podcasts. Emergency,
7: emergency.